We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Across the Board with Lutt. Well, the second time the last four Triple Crown seasons, horse racing fans locked and loaded on a Triple Crown attempt that comes up Saturday in the 150th running of the Belmont Stakes. And, of course, that means we are here to talk about it. It's Across the Board, your four-time-a-year horse racing podcast here on WEI.com. We thank you for downloading, listening, no matter where you are, as you get set for what is a spectacular day of racing Saturday in Elmont, New York. Headlined, of course, by Justify. Get through the one hole. He's 4-5 to five on the morning line. Trying to become just the second undefeated Triple Crown winner. Of course, Seattle's through in 1977. Thank you, Numi. Uh, the only undefeated Triple Crown winner. We had three, four seasons ago, American Pharaoh getting it done for Justify's trainer, Bob Baffert. That is the major headline, obviously, Saturday at the Belmont Stakes. You also have a horse named after Pat's tight end, Rob Gronkowski. Yes, the six-horse, Gronk. Gronkowski running in this race is ridden exclusively in Europe on synthetic and turf, including a track called Chelmsford uh, over in Europe. He's 12-1 to on the morning line, so there's a Patriots and Gronk interest on Saturday. The runner-up and the third-place finish from the Preakness both come back in tenfold and bravazo. Todd Pletcher, who has owned this race the last couple of years, has two, including one that I will be all over uh, Saturday in New York. Really a, a tremendous, tremendous day of racing. I cannot say it enough. It's three days. It's a, it's a festival. But the card on Saturday itself, we'll talk to Dick Girardi about this as part of the podcast coming up, is really a mini Breeders' Cup. It is now the second best racing day of the year. Uh, if you're a handicap or a horse player, it's Breeders' Cup 1, and Belmont Day is a very close number 2. And of course, that means all these races to talk about. We have the experts on here on the podcast to do it. Matt Bernier, Daily Racing Form, and the great DRF Formulator product. If you have not used Formulator yet, what are you doing? Advance your handicapping and get involved there. Andy Serling, New York Racing Association, in my mind, the best public handicapper in the country. He will join us. His thoughts on the Preakness of the Preakness, the Belmont, and a couple of races leading into it. Some of the big races there, the Manhattan and the Met Mile, which is a tremendous race. And the aforementioned Dick Girardi of Express Bet, uh, with us from Express, Express Bet, and their free wagering guide. He will join the show as well. We'll get his thoughts. He had the super cold in the Preakness. We'll see what he thinks about the Belmont on Saturday. We'll go through every stakes race on the undercard, every graded stakes race on the undercard. Uh, if you're in the area looking for a spot to be, I'll be at Mohegan Sun uh, on Saturday once again for the Belmont Stakes with some great people uh, talking about the races and playing the races. Hope you can join us there. It's free uh, at Mo- Mohegan Sun. Uh, and really, this is one of these rare opportunities. doesn't happen a lot, but it's okay to say you're rooting for Justified to get it done and win, but also betting against because of the value involved. Horses not named Justify and Gronkowski to an extent are going to be inflated prices because of the betting on the Triple Crown winner and the betting on a horse named Gronkowski. Uh, and that's what, I'll, that's what I will end up doing in this race using Justify for short, as we'll talk about in the podcast next hour or so. Uh, got to use them in the race. Got to use the multi-race bets. But I'll be keying off a morning line 8-1 to one shot for Todd Pletcher to try to make some money on Belmont Day. In fact, let's get right to it. And talk about Belmont Stakes Day 150 here on Saturday.
By now you know a fixture here on the Across the Board podcast, our buddy Matt Bernier, Daily Racing Forum, DRF.com. Uh, their products are tremendous, including DRF Formulator. they got the Clocker Report this weekend. It's the way to get yourself locked and loaded uh, for not just big Belmont Stakes weekend, but any weekend you are playing the races. Uh, another Triple Crown, Matt, on the line here just a couple of years ago. American Pharaoh getting it done. And another chance here this weekend if Justify is able to uh, beat the rest of these three-year-olds in Elmont, New York. I would say another pretty good possibility of it happening. Uh, I understand a lot of people brought up the breaking from the rail down in the one hole. I have to be honest, I almost think that's, that's a blessing in disguise because now there's really no thinking. Mike Smith has to break, has to go, probably ends up on the lead. And at that point, if you think you're better than everyone else, which he has proven over these past five, six weeks that he is, then you know what? He's, he's the most likely winner of this race. He's the most likely winner. I want to take a step back before we go forward and look at uh, the rest of this uh, Belmont field, including Justify. And just give me a a letter grade for Justify's Derby. I think we both agree it was an A for the Derby based on the pace he ran. What would you grade him out for his run in the Preakness? A lot of talk about the way he finished that race in the rain at Pimlico. Yeah, I mean, if the Derby was an A, I would say the Preakness was probably a B or a B plus. I don't think it was quite as good as the Derby, but in all reality, I know a lot of people are saying, well, he regressed from a speed figure standpoint and he had to work a little bit harder. When you consider what he did, he put away a horse, that, a legitimately good horse and good magic, up there on the front end, and then he held off all the horses coming from behind. I don't agree with some of the folks that say he was geared down at the end of the race, but I think he ran very, very well. I think if he runs that race on Saturday afternoon, he's going to be very, very tough in here. Um, some people have brought up the fact that he's run his best races on a fast main track. Well, guess what? Now, all of a sudden, it sounds like that might not happen because we've got 50-50 chance of thunderstorms in the afternoon. So we'll find out. If he wins all three of them on a wet track, I think that would be kind of funny. But I, I think he's just strictly the horse to beat in here. Yeah, I'm with you on the grade. I'm probably more of a B than a B plus because I just don't know what to make of the final couple hundred yards of that race. Was it? I don't think he was geared down either, uh, but I think good magic re-rallied. Maybe that was kind of a, a visual... Uh, trick there in, in your eyes, mind when you saw it tenfold, and, and Barrazzo came flying late. It just, it, it wasn't the way you're used to seeing real like big time favorites to go close out the Triple Crown, and a lot of them have not done it. Close out the Preakness, and so I'm just not sure what to make of those final couple hundred yards. What did you make of the way that race ended? To me, I think it was more a matter of I was impressed with the way that Bravazzo finished. I thought, really, he's, again, just a, a prime example of a horse that just doesn't seem to handle the turns very well. But you get him in the straights, and he runs really well. Uh, tenfold, he's lightly raced. A lot of people have talked about him for quite some time, about having a lot of upside, and I still believe that. I don't think a mile and a half works for him, but that's another story. Uh, I think it was just one of those instances where, look, it just if I had to do a lot of work, he got the job done, put away the main competition in good magic, and he had these other horses that... In reality, they had pretty good setups in that spot, and I know Pimlico might have been a little bit on the speed-friendly side that day, but I think he had a lot of things that he had to overcome, and the fact that he was still able to do it, I think that just goes to show how good this horse actually is. What, what was your initial thought, like, right after the race, you had that gut feeling as a racing fan, okay, I'll, I'll be with Justify uh, in the in the Pelham I'm going to be against. Your initial thought then, and has your mind changed at all about his chance of actually winning on Saturday? Well, I, I, this is probably a bad way to look at it, but just by default, I, I'll go through and look at the horse and say, do I think he's a legitimate candidate to win this thing? But I'm never going to pick him. I mean, I, I hate to say this, and I really, I don't know that I'll ever end up picking a horse going for the Triple Crown at Belmont, just because it's such a different animal, a mile and a half. I don't care how much better he is than everyone else. Look, if I didn't pick American Pharaoh, 
I'm certainly not going to pick Justified. Well, look, if we were doing a friendly horsey podcast where there was no gambling involved, then you'd say, you know, Justified, of course, is going to win the race. You're a horse player. You were on a TV show called Horse Players. Horse players are not running to the windows on Saturday to bet two to five on Justified. Even if you are rooting for him to win, and maybe you're using him in some other bets, you're not you're not betting him on the win end. You're just it's it's it goes against everything that most uh, horse players that I know go with on a week-in and week-out basis, Matt. That's the issue. Harvey Pack said it best years ago. He said, never bet a favorite doing something that they've never done. They're doing something for the first time. And I know Justify has passed every test with flying colors. He's never gone a mile and a half. And you have a lot of horses that this has been the goal all along, to sit back, pass the Preakness, and wait and be fresh and ready to go. You've got a number of good horses in this race. You're going to have to earn it. But, again, if he runs his best race, I think, simply put, he's probably just better than everyone else. I'm interested to see how he gets out of there. You said Mike Smith's going to go. He had his issues uh, as a bigger horse earlier in his career, and it's been a short career. His first race was this year in February, uh, getting out of the gate. We'll see if that's an issue. Uh, from there, the rest of this field, I, I think, justifies it, it, the, the speed figures uh, stand up. The talent stands up, trying to become the first undefeated Triple Crown winner since Seattle Slew in 1977. If he is going to get beat, it feels like, Matt, the horse that everyone is pointing to that is going to beat him is Bill Mott's uh, Hofburg. And the, uh, the 9-2 to morning line is way too short for me. I get why people like him. I liked Audible and the Florida Derby, so obviously I would like Hofburg a little bit. This is just strictly... A price issue. He's the buzz horse. He's the price. Uh, not, forget the price horse. He might be a, a bigger underlay than Justify by the time they race this thing on Saturday. He's going to get the distance, but at four to one, that I, I could not take him at that price. That's fair. I mean, I'm not going to argue with anyone that, that has that stance. I know a lot of people do. He is sort of the buzz horse, uh, and I, usually I understand people look at it and they kind of roll their eyes. Oh, the wise guy horse. I mean, there, there's a reason that this horse is the wise guy horse because. He looks like he's pretty darn good. And I think you're going to get probably the best version of him that we've seen so far here in the Belmont. Sure. The distance shouldn't be an issue for him. I, I shouldn't say that. The distance is a problem for all of these horses. But it's a matter of who handles it a little bit better than everyone else. I think Hofberg is right there at the top of the list. And really, I understand he's going to need to run the race of his life. But the way that Mott has handled this horse, this is just I, – I go back to it over and over again. Bill Mott doesn't put horses in spots they don't belong. And the fact that after a maiden win – he threw him into the Florida Derby, and then he came back in the Kentucky Derby, and he's coming back in the Belmont. To me, I understand Justify. He has his accolades and credentials, and he's still really, really talented. I don't think you've seen the best of Hofburg, where we may have seen the best from Justify already. If you think that there is going to be an upset, and you don't want to go way out on a limb and just take a flyer, I mean, Hofburg is the logical alternative. Yep, you got to use him in every single uh, exotic bet you have, all the vertical wagers uh, in that race. He's bred to get the distance out of Tappet. Tappet's had huge success in this race the last couple of years. You've got to have Hofburg involved, but I couldn't pick him at 9-2, 4-1. on the two Preakness uh, uh, horses that get here. Bravazo, who ran hard for second. Tenfold, who ran third there. But I thought actually ran the better race, Matt. Yeah, Tenfold's a really nice little horse. Again, the, the connections have always been kind of high on him. I, my concern, he popped back to his left lead at the very end of that race, and to me that's, that's usually a hallmark of a horse that doesn't want to go much farther. He did gallop out very well, but uh, to me he's going to be better suited at those sort of middle distances between eight and a half and nine furlongs. Bravazo, I, I liked him in the Preakness, and he ran really well, but I kind of feel like last time was the time. Uh, I, I wanted to talk myself into liking him more in the Belmont than I do. I just think it's one of those instances where, you know, I thought you'd get the forward move in the Preakness. 
more and more, I don't know that you're going to get another forward move here in the Belmont, although I think the, the big sweeping turns should help him because, again, for some reason, this horse just doesn't get around the bends very well. And the straights he can run. The bends are a problem. Provato, I'm going to fade both of them in this spot. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned getting the best version of Hofberg. I think you're going to get the best version of Vino Rosso, uh, Todd Pletcher's horse in this race. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. Todd Pletcher has had monstrous success in, in, in this modern era by far. The best trainer when it comes to the Belmont, his program works where he sends a horse to the Derby. They don't win that race. He waits the five weeks and he comes back. We saw it with Tappert a year ago. We've seen a commissioner came within a whisker of winning this thing a couple of years ago. Uh, Vino Rosso, draw a line to the Derby. He's never winning that race. If he runs back towards his Wood Memorial effort, he was going to be right there. And I think he is the one that had the sh- best shot to run down Justify in the final uh, furlong or so if someone's going to beat him on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I kind of put Vino Rosso and Hoffberg right there as, as 2A and 2B sure. justify as far as most likely win candidates. This feels like what Vino Rosso's wanted all along. Distance as far as he can go. You see the pedigrees by curling out of a street crime mare. I still think he's a little bit green. I, I don't know that he entirely knows what he's doing just yet, so it's kind of scary to think if he finally does put it together. And that's usually how I look at it. A lot of people look at greenness and immaturity in a negative light. I look at it and say, okay, they're doing all this and they don't know what they're doing. When they finally put it together, you're going to have a serious horse here. And I think that's the case with Vino Rosso. Again, distance not going to be a problem for him at face value. And again, if he just if he puts it all together on Saturday, he certainly has a big chance. Uh, Matt's picking a, a really, really long shot, so we'll get to his pick and his thoughts. And he'll have to explain himself uh, here in a second. I was surprised when we texted that as a Patriots honk that you are, you are not all over Gronkowski. On Saturday, who is running for Chad Brown? He's twelve to one on the morning line. He'll be less than that because he'll take Rob Gronkowski betting money. Uh, he's run on the synthetic and the turf over in Europe. Uh, I know that the trainer before Jeremy Nasita has had success in shipping horses over. I just have no idea what to make other than Gronkowski, the horse, is going to be wildly under underlaid and uh, and overbet on Saturday. Uh, Gronkowski is the underlay of the race, and the race doesn't start for, what, another two and a half days? I mean, he, he's the underlay of the race. I don't even need to see what the prices are going to be. Having said that, you, all you can go based on is what you've seen as far as his overall body of work. And, okay, clearly he has a little bit of ability. I know he's I looks, he looks, on, he looks okay. It's, it's synthetic, but he's looked okay in those races, Matt. And he also, if you look at any of the tape from him working out on the dirt, he looks really good. He looks like he could be a dirt horse. I just kind of feel like it, this feels like it's a little bit too much too soon. I, I'm not questioning that he might actually be a good horse when it's all said and done. I just don't know that Saturday's the day. And again, at the price, I mean, he's going to be just a miserable underlay. Uh, let's talk about your pick. Uh, I, I was, I'm not, I'm not totally surprised because this is what Matt Bernier does. Why we bring him on the podcast? Why he's great on TV and DRF? Because he goes against the grain. And you're picking a 30 to one shot and restoring hope. The other Bob Baffert on Saturday. Explain yourself, Bernier. Well, I understand he's not the likeliest win candidate. He's probably not even in the top five as far as most likely win candidates. But I, I think he's the sort of horse, when I look at Belmont, a mile and a half, it's such an anomaly. And usually, sexy performances don't win the Belmont. Very rarely do you get an effort from an American Pharaoh or you get a point given or you get in a fleet Alex. So those are kind of the anomalies. More often than not, you get just this sort of grinding, drab, molasses kind of effort, but it just gets the job done, and they stay. They outstay everyone else. And I look at Restoring Hope, and I thought this when he broke his maiden out at Santa Anita. He just, it, there was nothing spectacular about that effort, but he's just going to clip off 12-2 and two for every furlong. And that's a recipe for success in a race like the Belmont. He ran in the wood. Baffert's always talked about this horse like he's actually going to be okay. 
He ran in the wood, and I think he just got outrun early. You remember there was a runoff speed horse in there, and then in that second flight you had enticed and you had a couple other horses. Restoring hope that he's never going to win a race like that. He needs to be close to the pace. He needs to be just clipping off those even-keeled kind of numbers. And look, I have to be honest. I know people have talked about how Baffert has called this horse a rabbit. There's no way that he could be a rabbit, in my opinion. He's not fast enough to make the front. Unless you get a scenario like this that happens, where now Justify is drawn down the inside. I don't think there is. There's no question. He's got to go. He's not nearly as talented as Justify. But I think if there's a scenario where Giroux can get Restoring Hope planted just off of Justify, sit off of his flank, you're not going to go after the horse. Because, again, we kind of know that there's probably some politics in play. You're not going to go after him. But if, if all of a sudden all this racing catches up to Justify, going around the far turn, six races, 16 weeks, talent-wise, I'm not arguing that he's better than everybody else, but if perhaps it finally catches up to him and Restoring Hope can just keep chugging along, we've seen in the past crazier horses have won than a horse like this. I just think, again, pedigree-wise, possible trip-wise, I think he's going to outrun his odds. He's going to be every bit of the 30-1. Uh, in, the, the, in that scenario, is there part of that that, Make is there part of that scenario where you suggest that Noble Indy is going to be in that first flight as well? I mean, I, the, Mike Rapoli's got two horses here. He's got Noble Indy, the speed horse on the outside, and he's got Vino Rosso. I, I don't know what they're going to do. The best thing for Vino Rosso is to go with Noble Indy and to wear down Justify. How do you expect Noble Indy to be ridden by Javier Castellano in those races? Is he up there with Restoring Hope and Justify in that first flight? I, to be honest, I, I don't know just because, and again, this is another issue with this whole, all these common owners. Uh, he's also owned by Windstar. Yeah, I, Windstar I, should, I should mention Justify. that. Yeah, Win, Windstar has common ownership with Justify. Audible also with Windstar, not racing. He's using the air quotes here, out to the farm to get checked. They just would not want to run Audible in this race. It, I, I have no idea. It, it, would, it would help Vino Rosso a lot if Noble Indy even blinkers off, decides to show some of that speed he's shown. And he's a speed horse anyway. His only chance to win would getting that tight restoring hope type trip you just talked about. I suppose there's a scenario where, you know, Baffert had talked about, you know, again, I, I'm throwing the air quotes up, restoring hope being the rabbit yeah. for Justify because they like Justify off of a target. I, I guess maybe there's a scenario where Noble Indy, they just put him on the front and say, you know what, he's kind of the rabbit for both Justify as well as Vino Rosso, where he's going to go out there and set a legitimate pace. If that's the case, then guess what? I don't like my chances nearly as much, but... We'll find out. I have no idea how they're going to end up calling the shots with, with Noble Indy. I think, and another thing, too, I think long run, I think Noble Indy's actually a nice little horse. I just don't think this is the race for him. I think down the road he'll be okay, though. Uh, so give me your top four if people will see it in the Daily Racing Forum on Saturday and, and how you plan to attack this race, Matt. Uh, in order, five, four, one, eight. Uh, I think Hoffberg and Vino Rosso are the most likely upsetters to justify. I think we'll justify is the best horse in the race. I think he's the most likely winner. Don't think about it, Mike Smith, break and go. But I, I just I want to take a shot with Restoring Hope. I've had Belmont circled with this horse for about seven weeks now, so we'll take a shot. I'm not going to get off of him now. Uh, multi-race bets, you got to have a lot of justify. I think, again, he's the most likely win candidate, but I will use the backups. And just from an individual race standpoint, the price is going to be enormous, so I can throw a couple bucks on Restoring Hope and not worry about well, it. Well, couldn't you, I mean, if you want to think about it, I mean, you could, and I'm sure you've already thought about this, you can keep Restoring Hope at 30-1. to 1. I mean, my guess is if Restoring Hope hits the board, you'll have the try, assuming it's not some ridiculous, you know, Gronkowski blended citizen Restoring Hope top three. Well, as long as Tenfold doesn't screw up everything like he did in the Preakness, I'll be okay. Yeah, I'll probably do that. But uh, You had to bring that up. I mean, some of us, some of us uh, yeah. you and I included, did I not like Tenfold. <laughs> no, and he, he spoiled the entire afternoon for me. But, uh, no, you're right. Restoring hope, again, at that kind of price, 
And if I think he's just going to be able to see out the distance, he's the kind of horse that you can put in every slot and everything. If you want to play, key him up and down in the try and the super. And then, again, I'm just going to use basically the three logical horses with Justify, Hoffberg, and Vino Rosso. I just use those three as the other horses, and yeah, certainly that could be a little bit of an option. All right, the five four one eight for Matt Bernier on the Belmont Stakes, as we always do. We like to hit a couple other spots where Matt has taken the time to handicap these races and give you some other opinions throughout the course of the day. The only time we'll talk about Friday's card, and it's a really good card Friday at Belmont, uh, is with Matt right now. It's the eighth race. It's the True North that kicks off the $500,000 guaranteed pick four. They're going six and a half furlongs. They're four years old and up. There is uh, plenty of speed, plenty of talent in this race. Where'd you land in the True North, Matt? He, he burned me on Derby Day, but I'm going back to him. Imperial Hint is better than what you saw on Derby Day. I don't know if it was the wet track. I don't know if he just didn't have enough fitness from that little basically paid workout down at Tampa. But he was terrible, terrible in, in, at Churchill. And I understand they went really, really fast. But this is a horse that is naturally really fast, and he usually goes on with it. The fact that they're coming back here, I, I think you're going to get the best version of him. I don't know. Look, if he throws in another clunker, another sort of mid-90 buyer, then I've got to start wondering if he's just going the wrong way. But I think if you're going to ever get an opportunity, this is it. You probably sit just off of recruiting ready going into the far turn. And you take over from there if you are the superior talent that I think he is. Again, he burned me on Derby Day. We'll try to get it back on Friday with with uh, Imperial. And, and I thought he had a big shot. I wanted to also uh, – I'm probably going to play around with joking. I know he's a monster layoff uh, for Charlton Baker, but Charlton Baker – uh, is known to bring horses back on big days like this. He's 6-1 to one on the morning line. He may sneak up a little bit, but I'm with you. If I had to pick a horse right now, I would take Imperial Hint off the uh, f- super fast then fell apart effort going seven furlongs there uh, on uh, Derby Day in the slop, uh, which a race you might be able to draw a line right through. Uh, the beginning of the late uh, Naira Betts pick five on Saturday, or Sunday, I should say, Saturday, is race seven, the Woody Stevens. I, I love this race. There's just speed everywhere. I'm going to take a shot with a 30-to-1 look here. Uh, what do you think of the Woody Stevens, Matt? Yeah, it's a tough race because I think there's a lot of speed in here. I think there's also a lot of quality. Uh, I, again, another horse I got burned with on Derby Day just for circumstances, I think. I still maintain Madison Luna has ability. Now, the question's going to be, breaking from the inside, the blinkers go on. Blinkers going on for Phil Bauer has been a, just a terrible move recently. Past five years, first-time blinkers, one for 19, and only one of them have hit the board. That was the winner. So this is not necessarily a positive move, but I've seen too much from this horse to think that he just can't run with the best of the best as far as the sprinters are concerned. The rail is a little bit of an intriguing spot. I think leperu has got to go. I think you've got to send him out of there and try to establish some position. I'm going to use him, and if for some reason this pace ends up melting down, the other horse that I've always had a little bit of an affinity for is Beautiful Shot. The seven, I think he was ridden a little bit, sort of taken out of his comfort zone, running the way that they did in the last Barrera. He's a horse that wants to come from well out of it. And he was much closer to the pace that day when Kentaka got the better of him. I think they take him back now and make one run. If that pace heats up, I think beautiful shot can come from the back. So for me, it's a one-seven exact. Yeah, the horse I want to point people to to, to use in your plays is the number four horse. Give me a minute. Uh, I mean, I've liked this horse since he ran uh, third after getting bumped early in the hopeful last summer at Saratoga. It's taken him a while. But this is the move for Dallas Stewart on the cutback. The guy's almost 30%. We've seen him, uh, the, we've seen him with multiple horses cut back when you say that horse has no shot on paper. And Dallas Stewart, this is what he does best. I don't know if they pointed here, but you can draw a line to that Pat Day mile. It didn't run terrible there, but it was on that ridiculous uh, course that Matt said uh, there on Derby Day. Uh, give me a minute at 30-1 to 1 as a horse I'll be using prominently in all my plays. We'll get you out on the eighth race here, Matt, the second leg of the pick five, the first leg of a guaranteed pick four, one and a half million bucks, talented group a mile on the turf in the Justin game. 
you know, really tough race here because, you, like you say, you got eight pretty evenly matched horses. I know a lot of people like a Raving Beauty. Wouldn't be surprised if she ran well in this spot. I just think this is going to be a much more difficult situation just because there are better horses in here. Um, I, I was really impressed with the effort from Lull down at Gulfstream over the the winter, or I should say late late winter, early spring. But she's been gone for a lot uh, for a long time, and Clement, he's had a couple of horses come back from Gulfstream and really just kind of bomb. I think she's dangerous, but I'm going to go just to the inside with Off Limits, the number three horse. Uh, I thought she ran well in the Jenny Wiley, but I think she is a flat miler, so I'm not going to hold that race or the Hillsboro against her. Go back to last year in the Matriarch. I thought she was awesome. She got a brilliant ride from Rosario. Now we get Castellano. Um, I just think that this is kind of the track for her, a one-turn configuration. And at a mile, a flat mile, I think this is what she wanted all along. Seven to two on the morning line, I would take that in a heartbeat. I think off limits is a big, big chance. Five for nine in a mile, three for five at Belmont. And maybe, like you, you talked about Proctor's Ledge uh, on Derby Day, maybe a, a horse that just does not like Keeneland uh, did not run well there. And I'm with you, seven to two. We are on a couple of similar horses here. I'm on off limits, and I'll also go back to my old friend on leave, who just runs well every single time. Uh, as a horse that can certainly be uh, involved in the exacta late in the final stretches there going a mile at Belmont. He's Matt Bernier, Daily Racing Form. The Formulator product is a tremendous product. That's what I got printed out right in here in front of me to talk about these races. Uh, Matt, look forward to your coverage this weekend on DRF.com. Uh, hit him big, and if Gronkowski wins, uh, you think Gronk's going? Is Gronk going to be there on Saturday? Oh, I, Do we know? I, I would imagine so. He's got to be there. Oh, it'll be the I, best I, I winner's circle hear, party I, ever. I didn't see what the quote was, but somebody said he made some meathead statement like he usually does. So I'm sure if he was down there, he'd be smashing beers or something crazy. I think he was he was asked, is he ever going to ride Gronkowski? And he said, I like to ride things. So there you go. There That's you typical go. Gronk. There you go. Uh, Matt, enjoy <laughs> Belmont weekend. Thanks, man. See you, bud. Well, for my money, the best public handicapper uh, in the country resides in New York. For the New York Racing Association, he's Andy Serling. All his uh, re- all his picks, all his uh, analysis, his handicapping, you can find it at Naira.com. Uh, for all the big races this weekend, we are lucky that he's able to take a few minutes amidst a crazy weekend for the New York Racing Association to talk about the 150th Belmont Stakes. Uh, Andy, thank you. Must be uh, an exciting run when the Triple Crown ends up in New York every couple of years. It is. I mean, it's listen, Belmont Stakes is a great day anyway, and it's the finale of the Triple Crown, and what better place for the road to end but New York City. And we have a tremendous day of racing with, with multiple grade ones. There's six in total and a lot of other grade stakes as well. But when you have a horse going for the Triple Crown, there's always a lot of extra excitement. You know there's going to be a big crowd, and it's, it's a, just an opportunity to see history. I mean, I look back on my life, and my first Belmont was Seattle Slough. I saw Seattle Slough in a firm the first two times I came, two Triple Crown winners. I didn't know it would take almost 40 years for another one. Yeah, and it's, it's an amazing thing when you think about it. And it took a while, and, and you've talked about this, and, and you make a good point. It's not as if there weren't great horses along the way. There is some randomness to the Triple Crown. There's been situations where horses, Andy, I think have been good enough, but their situations left them falling short of it for whatever reason. Even if it wasn't in the Belmont, it was in a race along the way. Absolutely. I think that's why it's such an amazing achievement. And even if you, you know, purists want to say, well, I don't think that this horse was as good as this Triple Crown winner, to be able to win three miles and 15 sixteenths of a mile in a matter of five weeks takes a remarkable horse. And it's a remarkable achievement to be able to be good enough to overcome whatever trips you may have in those races, whatever trouble, whatever weather may befall you, and win these three grueling races. And don't forget, this comes after a series of prep races at longer distances as well, 
it takes a very special horse. And that's why we've seen some really great talents um, along the way that just weren't able to seal the deal in the Belmont, as, as remarkable as it seemed at the time. But as you say, a point given, who lost the Derby, sure. and a fleet Alex who lost the Derby, and they both won the other two legs, Risen Star going back. Risen Star is sort of a great unknown horse because he never ran again after the Belmont, but arguably his Belmont may have been the second best one behind the great Secretariat. There's a chance that people get themselves in trouble, Andy, looking at Justify, and they see Justify and Baffert and and sort of confuse him with American Pharaoh a couple of years ago. I feel like that's happening as people are looking at this race. Well, yeah, you, you, you never want to say this horse is good because he has the same trainer as this other really good horse. But on the other hand, you've got a guy in Bob Baffert that's really done remarkable things in the Triple Crown run. I mean, the fact that he's now won five Kentucky Derbies, and every single one of those horses has won the Preakness. And if you were to look at his previous four that came to the Belmont, some people would say, well, he's won for four, and they're all big favorites, so he's underachieved the Belmont. And I would say that's nonsense, because if you actually look at it, kind of like saying the Atlanta Braves should have won more World Series when they had that great pitching staff and those teams. As you know, it can be very random somewhat sure. in these things. And with that, those four that he brought, well, War Emblem was never winning, winning the Belmont Stakes. It's amazing that Bob won the first two races. So to me, he didn't matter. One of the other three was real quiet, who if it wasn't for one of the most bonehead rides in a big race in history, and the worst who beat him by a nose, getting one of the great rides in history, he would have won the Triple Crown. And, and Silver Charm was fortunate to win the Preakness because Touch Gold, who beat him in the Belmont, was actually better than the Preakness, but he had a very bad trip. So Bob is sort of two for three in Triple Crown tries, which is pretty remarkable, at least you know to me in my book. It's sort of like how I, I believe the Cleveland Cavaliers have won at least one game in this series. Well, the referees may have been a factor in this series. They're still down 3 <laughs> nothing as we head to this uh, Game 4 on Friday. We'll see what they do. Uh, he drew the rail, did justify his installs as a morning line 4-5 favorite. Should people be concerned, Andy, at all about in a mile and a half drawing the rail for justify? i concerned, no. But it does put him in a scenario where if you draw on the very inside, obviously you have to break well whatever post you have. People say, oh, you don't want to get left in the rail. And I say, you like to get left from post 8? So <laughs> it just puts a situation where others can be aggressive and be outside of them. You know, there's an argument that had Good Magic, who was second to him in the Derby and fourth in the Preakness, but if Good Magic had drawn outside of Justify, there's some argument that maybe he would have beat him because Justify seemed to have been vulnerable in the Preakness. He didn't run his A race. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out. I have to imagine that Bill Belindy, who shares some connections with Justify, is going to lead. In a perfect world, he would clear the lead, and Justify could sort of set up out, you know, drift off the rail and stalk behind him by a couple of lengths. But I think that Wayne Lucas, who trains Bravazzo, who really likes his horses to be ridden aggressively, I think Bravazzo is going to get an aggressive ride. I have a feeling he could be Justify's shadow, whether it's second or third, and he has post three, or it's first or second. And I wonder if Bravazzo is going to be a horse that's going to prevent him from being able to get to a comfortable rhythm. Because if Justify, either sitting on lead or sitting second, is able to sort of gallop along and set his own pace, he's going to be very hard to run down. He's a good horse, and I don't think the distance is going to make him make him lose this race. Well, Andy, you mentioned Noble Indy. Do you believe he's a rabbit for Vino Rosso? I think he is. He, it's a very strange circumstance. Sure and is. It's funny because I, I was talking about it with Jerry Bailey and Randy Moss, who are, of course, on NBC, about it this morning, because you would, you would think that... Um, you would think that he has to be. He's Mike Rapoli is the main owner of both horses. Vito Rosso is a closer. 
Noble Indy has no chance to win this race unless he's on the front end, but Noble Indy also has common ownership with Justify. So I don't see how he's going to do something that compromises Justify, but I don't think that Justify will have a problem sitting second behind Noble Indy. But his entry in this race is a little bit strange and a little bit tough to be sure about. Yeah, it's tough, and it adds a, an interesting piece to this puzzle. Uh, outside of Justify, Andy, who are the horses that you look at and say those are legitimate win contenders to to knock off this chance for Bob Afford's number one horse? I think if you were in a perfect world and you were playing the pick four or the, or the Naira Betsley pick five, you would want to be alive to as many as four if you could be. You would want Justify, obviously. But I think you would want Hofburg, who will likely be the second choice. You would want the aforementioned Bino Rosso, Todd Fletcher looking for his fourth Belmont. And you would want a horse that I picked on top, and that's tenfold. Um, trained by Steve Asmussen, a horse who finished third in the Preakness and is a rapidly improving and lightly raced horse. Um, I, Hofburg, to me, could win. He's very lightly raced. I just think he's going to be overbet in this race. He feels like he's going to be about the four to one second choice. And the truth is, he's never really run that well. He's sort of a hope that he's going to improve with distance and he's going to improve with seasoning, which he may do. But I think he takes take too big a step forward to bet him at that short a price. Whereas tenfold will probably be closer to ten to one, and Vino Rosso closer to eight to one. And Vino Rosso ran fast when he won the Wood Memorial, or fast enough. And Todd Fletcher has shown to have an incredible aptitude for getting horses to the Belmont Stakes that didn't run the Preakness. Many of them ran the Derby, some didn't. And I think that tenfold as well for Steve Asmussen um, is a horse that's improving, and Steve's very good at getting these routers to improve gradually. And he's also got a pedigree that suggests he wants to go long. So I think the tenfold and Vino Rosso are probably the two biggest threats along with Hopper. Yeah, and, and tenfold, I thought, ran a better race than Bravazo did, uh, just based on the trip in the, in the Preakness and at 12-1. to 1. You're getting a great number there. Uh, you've tweeted about it a little bit. Patriot fans are wondering, Andy Serling, what is Gronk going to do on Saturday? Well, you know, it's, he's really a funny entrant because on the surface of things, it's sort of ridiculous that a horse that's never raced beyond a mile, never raced in the dirt, they're running against horses of lesser caliber on synthetic surfaces over in Europe, that that horse is going to come here and win a race like this. And the thing is, from a betting standpoint, he's supposed to be 50 to 1 to 100 to 1. And he's going to be about 12 to 1 because of all you Patriot fans and Rob Gronkowski's unbelievable popularity and his name and the recognition factor. So he's a terrible value bet, however you look at it. I will say the trainer, Shad Brown, who's a good friend of mine, and he's been pretty vocal about it in the press, he's very impressed with how the horse has worked. Um, he really thinks he's a talented horse, but he's only had him a couple weeks. I don't think he knows yet. You know, How can he know whether or not he's good enough to beat these horses? He believes he's a talented, good horse, but whether or not it means he can win a race like this, that's a completely different question. Uh, one other horse before I get to a couple of races, Andy. Uh, we have not talked about at all here, feels like this week, Blended Citizen, who won the Peter Pan, which is the prep for this race. He's not getting any buzz. He seems to have a running style that might be there. What did you not like about the number 10 Blended Citizen? I just think he's too slow. Listen, they're, you know, they're young horses. They can improve. And the thing is, the, the Belmont Stakes is a tricky race because there are some horses that were going to relish this distance that might improve with leaps and bounds. And maybe that's Blended Citizen. I don't see it. I don't think he's that good a horse. I think his win in the Peter Pan was against inferior competition with an absolutely perfect trip, and the second horse should have won the race if he hadn't stumbled at the start. So I don't think he's good enough. But listen, I've been fooled in this race before, and I'll be fooled in it again. 
We'll see if Justify can get it done. We know this, whether he gets it done or not. As you mentioned, Andy, the, the card itself on Saturday is, is, is just outrageous from beginning to end, and really starting on Thursday uh, with the festival heading into the Belmont Stakes Day on Saturday. And the race before it, uh, I, I had a really tough time with. They're going a mile and a quarter in the Manhattan. Chad Brown's got a very strong hand on the inside with uh, Robert Bruce and the outside with Beach Patrol. Is it as easy as Chad Brown in the Manhattan? He certainly had a lot of success in this race. Of the two Chad Brown horses, even though Beach Patrol is the more accomplished, I prefer Robert Bruce. He not only drew very well, I think it's a very different circumstance that's much more favorable for him. He's 7 for 7, but he only has the one win in, in the U.S. The others were dominating wins in Chile and big races there. But he got the job done to Fort Marcy by sitting close to a slow pace. But he's really a closer, and he wants more pace. And this race is going to have a lot of pace in it. So I think that's going to suit Robert Bruce more than it's going to suit Beach Patrol, who's a much more forwardly placed horse. So I do like Robert Bruce in here, but I think there's a long shot that's a little bit interesting here, and that's the nine channel maker for trainer Bill Bott. He's going to have to take a step forward and run better than he's ever run before, but he got a really lousy trip on the yielding turf last time at Churchill Downs because you don't want to be on the rail when the turf gets really boggy the way it did on Derby Day. And he was down the inside the whole way. He was badly steady to the stretch. And he still didn't run that badly. He was only five lengths or so behind the beach patrol. And Bilmont's running him like he thinks he's a good horse. And I think he has a chance to upset this field at a big price or at least get a piece of it. I felt like closers would uh, have an opportunity here, and Sadler's Joy getting back to Belmont was one uh, that I liked I as well. You, you mentioned, I, I, I don't want to misquote you. Have you said on the record, Andy, the Met Mile is your favorite race of the year? I love the Met Mile, yes. It really is. I mean, I've always loved the Met Mile. I love the one-turn flat mile, and when I look back over my life and going to the racetrack, it's always been the race that I've looked forward to the most, and I can vividly remember just so many of them, uh, many different great horses, Garthorne winning for Bobby Frankel, um, Conquistor Cielo before the, the Belmont, uh, Gulch winning two, one of them in the midst of running an all-three triple crown race, a three-year-old, uh, so many great Met Miles over the years, including Holy Bull and Gosepper. Well, my guess is you looked at this field and thought that this thing lives up to the hype, because from, from one to ten, I thought a loaded, loaded field for the Met Mile on Saturday. It's a really fun race. And, I mean, you've got Mind Your Biscuits as the big dog trying to win at a mile, something he's never done. He's been 0 for 2 at a mile. Now, one of them was his fourth career start. He really hadn't developed yet. The other one was a solid second-place finish behind Sharp Azteca, who was second in this last year. So he hasn't run badly at a mile, but he's better going shorter, and the rail post doesn't help him. And probably one of the main ones to beat in here, the 10B jersey, is the controlling speed. He's not going to go slow. He's going to go out there and burn it. But I think B. Jersey for Steve Aspenson is a very dangerous horse. But I also think Good Samaritan for trainer Bill Moss, exactly the kind of horse I want for the Met. He's a router who's back. He's never gone a one-turn mile in the dirt. He's only gone two-turn, mile and eighth, a mile and a quarter, mile sixteenth. I thought he was too close to the pace last time in Churchill. And I think tomorrow is the or Saturday is the day in the Met Mile where he can lay back and hope to make that one run. And I thought Good Samaritan was very interested in this Met Mile. I'm going to use him as well as um, the horse in the outside New Jersey. What did you think of uh, Ian Wilkes getting McCracken, another mile race under his belt? I'm glad to see that Ian's going to at least try the Met Mile with him. Um, he had a very good year last year and he made you know over three quarters of a million dollars in his first two years, but primarily running in two turn races. And I've always felt he'd be better from seven furlongs to a mile. So I think he has his best chance. I'm just wondering if he's necessarily good enough. I think at the end of the day, Good Samaritan, who has a similar running style, may be a bit better. 
Uh, it's a it's a hell of a race day, and those three races lead up to the Belmont Stakes. Uh, Naira.com, you'll see all the information there. As Andy said, there are plenty of wagering opportunities for you, including the Naira Bets late pick five uh, that leads with the Belmont on Saturday. Uh, Andy, I know you're busy. Thanks for taking a few minutes, and uh, enjoy Belmont Stakes Day. Anytime, Mike. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the kind words, and I hope everybody comes down. I look forward to seeing everybody from Boston and Saratoga because we can't have better fans than the people from that area. Well, what, what, what if Gronkowski runs at Saratoga? Then you get the Pats fans up there right before the football season. It'll be crazy. The problem is Rob won't be able to come, or maybe he'll sneak <laughs> away from the game, and that could cause a problem. Andy, thanks. All right. Thanks, man. Award-winning writer Dick Girardi with us once again, courtesy of ExpressBet.com. Visit ExpressBet for a free Belmont Stakes wagering guide. Wager on the races when you can't get to the track. It is free. It's right there on the front of the website. There's no sign-up. You just go right there, click download, and you got a tremendous, tremendous set of information pieces for you on Belmont Stakes Day. And you're going to need it because it is a tremendous day of racing, and the Belmont Stakes is a great handicapping puzzle uh, Dick, second time in three years, the uh, Triple Crown once again on the line for race fans. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, boy, it's hard to believe Bob Baffert has a chance to do it again, Mike. Uh, <laughs> it took him until his fourth try, but he certainly got it done three years ago with American Pharaoh. But, yeah, here's a horse nobody even heard of, uh, what, 100 days ago, and now here he is with a shot to win it. Yeah, he is the prohibitive favorite, probably most likely winner for sure. Uh, when they run on Saturday. You're a guy, Dick, we've talked about this with you whenever we've had you on. Uh, you work with the, the buyer speed figure guys. It's a big part of your handicapping. So when I see Justify, and he's going to be 4-5 to five on Saturday, and I see sort of a, a regressing buyer pattern, what does that say to you? What should I make of that as somebody like yourself who is very much into the speed figures? Yeah, uh, look, I think it's a little scary. It, it's one of the things that makes me a little less confident this time than in the other two races, uh, because he did get a 97, which is the lowest of his career. But to try to put that in some perspective, and I did it in the wagering guide, the other horses that have run on dirt in America uh, combined uh, 48 times. Only one time has any of those horses gotten a figure better than Justify's worst figure. That's Vino Rosso in the wood with a 98. So that's a little perspective. And I think the Preakness was a brutal race. Uh, and I didn't realize this whole after because you couldn't see anything. It's the fog. Uh, but Good Magic really had pushed Justify well out past the middle of the track on the backstretch and on the turn. So he really had to run hard to get there. Um, I think it's going to be a much cleaner trip on Saturday. So I think he's more likely to come back to that Santa Anita Derby form where the only race he's ever been all the way loose in the lead, and he got a career-best 107 buyer. So I think we're liable to see something a lot closer to that than the Preakness buyer on Saturday. Well, that's going to be the American Pharaoh trip. That's my, my follow-up, Dick, is if he's going to run that race and he's going to win, what is the trip that he gets versus on the other side, give me your envision, how do you envision a trip that might not get it done for Justify on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think he would get beat. Well, it's a couple ways, obviously, to get beat. It, it finally all catches up with him. As we said, this is going to be race number six in 111 days on Saturday with uh, with no, no starts as a two-year-old, no great foundation. That could catch up with him regardless of the trip because it's a mile and a half. But the other thing, the most likely scenario to me that he gets beat in is if some horse that we're not particularly expecting shows unexpected speed and kind of traps justify down on the rail. Because it's much easier when you're in a kind of a speed battle to be outside rather than inside. 
He was outside the derby in fast fractions, outside the Preakness in a speed duel. Uh, that would not be a scenario either Mike Smith or Bob Baffert would have any interest in. So I think they're going to use his great speed for the first 100 yards, make sure to get him out there in the clear. And then anybody that wants to challenge him from that point is going to have to run really hard and fast to get there. We'll see if somebody wants to take an early run at him or not. Yeah, I, we're talking to Matt Bernier about this, Dick. How, how are we supposed to, as handicappers, figure out you know this common ownership thing between you know obviously restoring yep. hope? Bob Baffert trains both restoring hope and he trains Justify. You have Noble Indy on the yep. outside, partially owned by Winstar. Well, Winstar owns Justify, and it's good for Noble Indy to go to the front because it sets up Vino Rosso for Mike Rapoli, who also owns both horses here. Vino Rosso and how, does that factor at all in your handicapping of this race? Absolutely. Yeah, now, I think restoring hope is less of a concern for me because I just don't think he has that much speed. Uh, his recent races, he's more of kind of a one-paced horse. Even the mile and the 16th races, he was in the vicinity of the, of the lead, but those were maiden races, so I just don't think he's fast enough. And I certainly think Florent Giroux is going to be told, don't go near Justify because that is the same trainer. But, you know, uh, Noble Indy's a different story, as you said. Partially owned by Windstar, which is the, the main major force behind Justify. And, but also Mike Rapoli, who was on his own here. And what are they going to want to do here? Uh, this is a horse with some tactical speed. Are they going to want to put him in the race? I would have to think so. Um, I think he's probably the second fastest horse in the race as far as early speed. But blinkers are coming off. Um, that would suggest a little less speed. I think they're going to probably be the horse that's second, say, a length or two behind Justify as they get into the first turn. I don't know why they would want to send them up next to Justify. That that wouldn't be a way to win the race. And, I, frankly, I don't think they're fast enough to be in front of Justify unless they just send them hard. See, I, I'm with you, but I think if, if, if their belief is, look, Noble Indy can't win this race, Vino Rosso can. Vino Rosso is the number eight mm-hmm. horse for Todd Pletcher. Todd sure. Pletcher has had a great success yep. here. If Mike Rapoli yep. wants to win, isn't that their best chance sure. to win is to wear down and hound, justify the way and the, the, the comparison I was making this week was Jerry Bailey on Eddington. Whether he wanted to or not, yep. Jerry Bailey on Eddington, yep. and you were front and center covering Smarty Jones. How did Smarty Jones sure. for about a mile on that backstretch? And I, if, if they want to win with a closer, Noble Indy could do that on Saturday. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a legitimate question. Um, it's funny, Dave Grenning from the DRF said to me, said the Castellano's going to have the good angel on his shoulder and Elliot Walden for Windstar, <laughs> and the bad angel and Mike Rapoli tell him, go up there and get after this horse. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure what Javier is going to do, but it is an interesting subplot, and you're certainly right. I mean, I often think back when you have scenarios like this to 14 years ago when, boy, Smarty Jones had an outside post. He looked like he was lone speed. And, and Jerry, inexplicably to me to this day, is, is basically riding Eddington hard on the first turn to get outside and next to Smarty Jones. And then, of course, Rock Hard 10 took another premature run at him. And they couldn't beat Smarty Jones, but it got him beat in the end. Uh, so you are going back to justify. You had him in the Derby. You had him in the Preakness. I'm looking at your picks in the wagering guide. It sounds like you think even if he's not as good as American Pharaoh, you're not as confident in these last couple of races, Dick, that he's just too good for this group. I mean, look, he's beating them over and over again. Um, he's the one horse with the, the incredible record. You know, the downside, obviously, is it's only happened once in 40 years, and some really good horses have gotten beaten in this spot, Smarty Jones being one of them. But usually due to circumstance, 
And it's interesting, when you look back on Baffert's, now, again, hard to believe, his fifth try, uh, two of them prior to American Pharaoh ran winning races. I mean, certainly Silver Charm ran a race that would have won a lot of Belmonts in 97, loses by less than a length, finishes second, and real quiet, of course, in 98, lost by a nose. So the Baffert and his team have figured this out. That gives me that gives me a lot of hope. And maybe it's another trainer. I'm not thinking this, but he's the guy who's got this triple crown series down pretty well. Um, but also, uh, and, you know, and I think I pointed out in the wagering guide, the reality is that the modern thoroughbred does not do what they're asking Justify to do: try to win three races in five weeks, except during this series. And the winning Belmont Stakes formula has been run in the Derby, sit five weeks and come back in the Belmont, and the two horses that fit that pattern the best, of, to me, of the most talented, are Hoffberg and Vino Rosso. So if you're looking to upset, and I, there, obviously people are on Hoffberg and they're on Vino Rosso, that's not a horrible way to look at the race, but all in all, I'd rather take A, the fastest horse, B, the horse that's loose in the lead, and C, the horse that's trained by the guy who's figured out the triple crown. Yeah, you mentioned Hoffberg. He's he's very logical, uh, given his running style, the way he was able to close in the Florida Derby behind Audible, who ran a good third uh, in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I just the, the price is the issue for me, and I'm curious, Dick. The, yep. the wagering guy comes out a week before. You've got your wagering yep. guy was the Justify Hoffberg Exacta. That'll be the yep. favorite over the second choice. Have you have you changed your opinion at all? Is that still in your mind the best way to play the game, putting Hoffberg under uh, Justify and the Exacta? Have you changed anything in, the, in your picks? I have changed. I, I, actually, in the update, Mike, now I have a, I bet a, I bet a cold try. Uh, justified to Hoffer to, to uh, Vino Rosso. Uh, I happened to see Johnny Velasquez last week at a Penn National, and he told me, he said, forget Vino Rosso's race in the Derby. He hated the slot. And, yes, when I saw Hoffer come up as the second choice, I'm not betting an $8 exact if that's what it's going to pay. Uh, that's just not, that's not my style. Um, it's kind of what I try to do in the Preakness, right? When we try to beat Chad Brown, we ended up beating him. It took the whole race to, to beat him, but we finally got there. And I, I, I actually called the super effect of cold in the wager guide in the Preakness. But, yeah, that, that price is, does bother me. I was surprised to see how Fergus is second choice. It could be right. Uh, but, boy, you have justifies the horse who's never lost. Hopberg's the horse who's won one race. Uh, so, yeah, and I know there's a lot of people on Hopberg. I got to see it. Now, I love Billy Mott like the next guy, but boy, if he can be justified, then, then he's okay. I'm, I'm good, but until he does it, I'm going the other way. And I will definitely have some 1.8s in addition to some 1.4s, and I will have some 1.4.8s and some 1.8.4s. But it's not going to pay like the previous did, unfortunately. There's no 25 to 1 shots in the middle of a try here. You're going to have some uh, Patriot fans tuning in to see how Gronkowski runs. Give me your uh, projection here, Dick, of how, what, he, what kind of race he runs on Saturday. Yeah, if somebody other than Chad Brown, I would just put an X, and Jose Ortiz, I would just put an X through this horse. I mean, first time on dirt, really ran against subpar competition in England, uh, won all his artificial races, four for four, over two on the turf. I don't think we have any idea how he's going to do in the dirt. Uh, by all accounts, he's done well on uh, in training. He's a complete guest to me. Uh, 12 to one is a, is a crazy price. He looks more like 25 or 30 to one. I would throw him out. I would be surprised if he does well. I'm hoping people bet on him because they like the Gronk. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not using Gronkowski at all. Uh, justify Hoffberg and Vino Rosso, a top three. Uh, for Dick Girardi, can get his entire breakdown in the Express Bet Wagering Guide. Uh, he, he nailed the Preakness. He had it ice cold. He was on Justify. 
in the Kentucky Derby. We'll see if he can close it out here uh, in the Belmont Stakes, part of a tremendous wagering card on Saturday. It is. It, we talked about it off the air for a second, Dick, and I agree with you. This is now the second-best betting day of the year. It is. I think Saturday Breeders' Cup card is, is the best. And now that they've gone to all those, they're going to go to a strictly two-year-old on Friday. Uh, I think this, it sets this card apart even more. Yeah, to have all these stakes from the third race through the 11th and grade ones and, I mean, just great horses up and down, real good betting races, big fields. Yeah, sometimes you, you can wander in a little later in the day for these big races. I'll be there bright and early at some hot stakes on Saturday. No, and we'll be with uh, your buddy Johnny D from Express Bet and Mohegan Sun for their event, and we'll start with the third race because there's so many good races uh, to talk about on Saturday. We'll get your thoughts on a couple of the early races on Saturday, including that third race, the Ogden Phipps. Uh, these are Phillies and Mares going a mile and a 16th. I thought pretty pretty competitive field here uh, for the first grade one of the day. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, now, Baffert and Smith dominated Belmont Stakes Day last year. They didn't, they didn't win the Belmont because Baffert didn't have a horse in there. But, man, they were they were awesome winning won four stakes together. Mike won five altogether. April Tasman was one of those horses. She won the Acorn uh, at Belmont Park. I didn't like her comeback race. I, I, I just, I, it, I mean, it, she had some issues in it, uh, but I, I wasn't thrilled with it the day uh, before the Derby. I'm, I'm going to pick American Gal in an upset. She's come back really strong this year, two really good seven furlong races. I think she's clear in this race. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go American Gal. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see, but that, that's, that's, who I, that's who I'm liking in this spot. No, I think it was the only winner that we had Derby Day was American Gal. She ran well that day, and she's going to get a good trip here. Uh, I'll be interested to see how Unchained Melody runs back. Unchained Melody, who won the Mother Goose a year ago, looked like one of the best three-year-old fillies in the country. Went wrong in the Alabama against the late and, uh, yep. and, and the ruffian on the return. Uh, they're going to take the blinkers off for Brian Lynch. We'll see how she returns. But uh, she she has the talent. I mean, she's one of the few horses here that's run a 100 buyer speed figure, and she did as a three-year-old filly. So I'm with you on American Gal, but I'm going to try to get Unchained Melody in the mix as well. We'll skip ahead a couple of races. The fifth race uh, on Saturday is the Brooklyn mile and a half. It's one of the handful of times and twice on Saturday they're going a mile and a half. These are older horses going that same distance as the three-year-olds later on in the day. Yeah, it's always fun to see this race midway through the Belmont Stakes car because we'll get a little bit of gauge on what they're going to run in the Belmont Stakes, how a mile and a half fractions, what they look like. It, this race is trying to pick this winner is crazy. I, I ended up falling on outplay, but if I told you I was confident, I'd be making it up. Uh, I loved his comeback race uh, at Gulfstream. I actually bet on that day. Um, the, I, I kind of put a line through that race at Churchill on Derby Day. There were so many horses that ran so off their best form because of that track. Uh, he was wide. I, I, so just put a line through that. I think he's right up near the pace. Todd, is, Todd Fletcher is really good at these mile-and-a-half races. He's obviously proved how good he is in the Belmont Stakes. Uh, but I, I'm going with outplay, um, but as I said, do I feel particularly confident? I don't. It's a tough race to, to really be confident. You don't see these horses go mile-and-a-half very often. There'll be plenty of love for opportunity because people are going to see the win he has there. And with Baffert has the day he had last year, then maybe he comes back and, and runs. I'm going to take a shot with Chad Brown and take your guns, an improving four-year-old who showed a little bit of talent last year. Faded out his comeback uh, and run faster races than he did a year ago. Gets Joel Rosario, who in these longer races seems to do a really nice job. He's had a couple winners 
on Long Race with Shug McGahee. So take your guns for me uh, and Chad Brown. Also want to hit on one turf race before we get you out, Dick. That's the Jiper. That's the six race going to begin. The guaranteed $500,000 pick sixes. Pick threes all day. Pick fours. Pick fives. Pick sixes. Uh, turf sprints are a very tough uh, wager for me. So I'm hoping for some help on how to navigate through the grade two Jiper. Yeah, this is a really fun race. I mean, so many good horses and so many possibilities. I mean, an unbeaten horse in his pocket change for uh, Jason Service, Jose Ortiz will ride. Uh, Pure Sensation won this race two years ago, finished a close fourth last year. Uh, boy, you could pick four or five horses and feel like you got a good one. I ended up falling on Pure Sensation, and it may be because I have seen him so often. He has come to parks for their big turf. I lo- he loves Pennsylvania. He, does, he yeah. doesn't get beat. He's just unbelievable. Fact, he, he got 110 buyer when he won the parks cash last summer. It was just an incredible performance. Uh, so I like your sensation. My man Kendrick Carmooch is back on, and he, he obviously gets along really well with this horse. But a, a fun race. Hard race to pick, uh, but yeah, I like the two, Pure Sensation. Yeah, and you mentioned pocket change, man. You, you, you've talked about Pure Sensation in Pennsylvania. I, I've seen yep. Jason. He's, he, he's a great trainer all around. Jason Service with Turf yep. Sprinters uh, has figured something Not out. Uh, he's had a huge Belmont start. He's, he's clicking at 50%. He, turf Sprint numbers are outrageous, and this horse has done nothing wrong since getting on the turf. Two bang-up races and anywhere near 10-1. to 1. I know he doesn't have the same sort of cachet as a Stormy Liberal or Pure Sensation, uh, or even on the outside, a couple of horse Disco Partner, uh, who ran huge uh, last year at Belmont. Uh, I'm going to be on the, the up-and-comer and, ho- and pocket change with Jose Ortiz and Jason Service because I'm defaulting to the best turf sprint trainer uh, that I can find. We are not defaulting with Dick yeah, Girardi. Yeah. Go ahead, Dick. Sorry. No, that's a great point, Mike. I, I think that if you can get that kind of price, I think you have to use pocket change at 10-1. to 1. I don't care if he's been in a state trace or not. He is fast, and the trainer is scorching. Uh, we'll get you out on this. We talked about Baffert uh, before the the, the pimp, before the Preakness even about where he stands now among young dirt trainers, and I don't know where he is. I, I, I you know, Obviously, Todd Pletcher's really good. A second triple crown here in three years. Uh, are we going to then – is Bob Baffert then the conversation for – greatest trainer of all time based on what he's done yes yeah there's no question i mean look it's only been done once in history 1930 and 35 sonny jim fitzsimmons gallant fox and omaha so yeah when you're talking about something that's been done once in history uh to win two of them and and to have a chance i mean maybe the analogy is lebron james right he's in the finals every year here's Baffert with his fifth chance at a triple crown so yeah he's certainly in the conversation it's funny, Mike, he had a great start to his Triple Crown career. Uh, remember, he won eight Triple Crown races from 97 through 02, and then he kind of cooled off, and now he is just smoking hot with a Triple Crown in 2015 and now another chance. So, yeah, to get this would be Triple Crown win number 15, Oof. which would be a record, second Triple Crown, which would tie a record. So, yeah, he'd have to be in the conversation uh, as best to ever do it, and He's 65, uh, but he seems to be getting better and better horses. This might not be the last shot he has at it. Well, he had that health scare, and it feels like he's had sort of a second yep. push after that health scare, if it's more focused or not. But I'm with you. I think that we'll be 
putting him in the upper echelon of trainers all time should he get this done. Uh, do yourself a favor, whether you're going to be at Mohegan Sun or Suffolk Downs, wherever you're going to be at home uh, here this weekend, go to ExpressBet.com, print out the ExpressBet wagering guide. It is free. It's got Dick Girardi's take in there. It's got Numi, who once again is taking a stand against Justify. He, ne- he will never pick this horse. Uh, God love him. Uh, Dick, great stuff. Enjoy a tremendous uh, weekend there at Belmont, and we'll talk to you uh, come Breeder Cup, Breeders' Cup time. Sounds good, Mike. Uh, enjoy your day up at Mohegan Sun with my man Johnny Dick. Well, can't do much better than that. Four different handicappers will have four different top picks in the Belmont Stakes on Saturday. A Dick Girardi stick with his guy, Justify. Matt Bernier going at 31, restoring hope. Andy Serling is going to go at tenfold for uh, Steve Asmussen, 12 to 1. As you could probably get a, a, a tease of listening to the podcast here, I'm going to go with 8 to 1. Vino Rosso, the eight number eight horse in this field, is my top pick in this Belmont Stakes. I think for the, the big thing for me is the Todd Pletcher history with horses that run in the Derby, take the five weeks off, and then come back in the Belmont. Vino Rosso fits that category, had a 98 buyer speed figure in the Wood Memorial, winning that over enticed and restoring hope. Bernier's pick in this race. He had no shot in the Derby. You heard the note there about Johnny V with Dick Girardi. did not like the slop. He has trained lights out. He's got the best closing pace number on the time form numbers here, and I think he's going to get a great setup because I do believe, and if I'm wrong about this, and I'll probably be wrong about the race, that there's more speed on paper than we expect. Justify is not going to get that lone lead. It's not going to be just Justify and restoring hope the way Matt Bernier suggested. I think Bravazo could show some speed, and I certainly think, and I believe even more so than Bravazo, Noble Indy is going to go. So if that's the case, I think there's some traffic up front. I think some speed up front. I want a closer. I want Vino Rosso as my top pick in the Belmont Stakes on Saturday. Morning line 8-1 to one for Todd Pletcher. And John Velasquez, a horse I had wanted no part of in the Derby but found myself keep coming back, kept coming back to in handicapping this uh, Belmont Stakes on Saturday. Uh, I'll go Justify second. He's the most talented horse. If he wins, uh, so be it. Uh, I'll take Hofburg third, and I'll go with uh, the number seven horse tenfold as the last pick there. So I'm, I'm basing my play on closers. I really am. If the speed ends up holding up and it's Bravazo and it's Noble Indy and those horses are able to get uh, easy lead with Justify, I'll likely be ripping up tickets. But I'm playing it for more speed up front. I'm playing Vino Rosso on top of Justify, Hosberg, and Tenfold. And really the key for me is Vino Rosso. Because if Vino Rosso, if he runs in the top three with any of the logicals, and that'll include the four I mentioned and Bravazo to an extent, uh, we'll have the trifecta. So my key horse in, in all three slots on Saturday in the Belmont Stakes will be Vino Rosso for Todd Pletcher, Mike Rapoli, and John Velasquez. As for other thoughts on the day, uh, other races I'm interested in being involved in, the number, the eighth race, the Just the Game, Bernie and I talked about it, Off Limits, uh, I think is sitting on a monster race uh, for Chad Brown. Gets back to Belmont Park, three wins there, five wins the distance. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to play Off Limits and On Leave uh, as, a, as, a, as an exact in that race. And the Woody Stevens race number seven, I want people to take a look at Give Me a Minute. Uh, who's going to be 30, 30 to 1, uh, probably even a higher price than that. It's a cutback move that is so good for Dallas Stewart. I'll be using him in all sorts of exotic plays, and if, you know, God willing, he hits the board. Uh, we'll be in a good spot there in the Woody Stevens, and he is the number four horse. Give me a minute for Dallas Stewart and for John, Vel- uh, John Velasquez. Uh, Javier Castellano 
getting back on. And Sadler's Joy in the Manhattan at 8-1. to one. Another horse I'm interested in on Saturday. Uh, should be some great racing. Hope to see many of you out there at uh, Mohegan Sun for the Great Belmont Stakes. A great opportunity not only to see a triple crown potentially, but the wagering top to bottom is as good as it gets. I hope we put you on some winners here over the last hour or so. Enjoy the Belmont Stakes over the weekend, and we'll talk to you again come Breeders' Cup time here on Across the Board. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.